This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Halton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 175 countries, 220 TV, radio, terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of this Friday? Well, what I can tell you is Ken Knorr is CEO and founder of the White Label Digital Marketing Company that company. Yes, the company name is literally that company. For over a decade, he has built a company that supports marketing firms and providing high-quality CEO, PPC, social media, and reputation management services all under their respective brands. With over 400-plus agency partners, that company has become the most widely trusted name in white-label services that provides a true end-to-end white-label solution that's scalable. Ken is a leader who believes that one plus one equals three. Through his consensus, through debate leadership style, he believes the best solutions are created with his team, not just by himself. Couldn't agree more. Cam, uh, Ken, welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, my friend. How are you today? Best day of my life, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's great to have you aboard here. So let's talk a little bit, as I always do with my guest. I like to open up with the inception of my guest's journey. So how is it that you came to realize that this was your purpose, this was your skill set, what was it that was going on in your own life that brought you to this particular point where people would recognize who you are for what it is you exactly do? Um, wow, that's a loaded, packed question. So I was born, no, I'm kidding with you. Um, <laughs> it, it started off, I think, uh, I've, I've been an entrepreneur um, all my life, uh, a serial entrepreneur. I just can't stop. Um, but I did take a... Uh, um, a break, uh, and spent uh, a little over a decade in corporate America. And I come from an IT background, so um, I'm a computer geek at heart. And mm-hmm. I, I think kind of the way that this organically turned into what it is um, was because I was. I'm. I also consider myself to be an opportunist, so I just kind of look for opportunity in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and things that present themselves. I was in corporate America working in IT, and uh, the owner of a company came to me in 1999 uh, when Google was born and said, hey, you, we got to solve this Google problem. If we could get on the front page of Google, um, it would be 
really good for our business and the business I was in uh, at the time was a retirement community developer in Florida. And so they built retirement communities um, and they weren't very big. They were building maybe 50 homes a year, which is a very small home builder um, and developer. And uh, I said, I said to him, I said, well, it doesn't make any sense to me. I said at the time, this is, I was naive. I said, uh, you know, old people don't use computers. Um, and he says, no, no, you got it wrong. You, you don't understand. He said, um, that our target customer, because we're building retirement communities, our target customer, they live up north and they're white collar workers. They are professionals and they're sitting behind CRTs at the time. They're sitting behind CRTs and, and they're doing their job. And before they come down to Florida, uh, they're going to research and, and Google's going to be where they're going to do it. And Yahoo was king at the time, um, but he, he, he was projecting that, that uh, Google was going to dominate it. And I said, okay, well, I, I I know computers. I don't know. Um, I don't know uh, retirement community marketing by any stretch of the imagination. I'll believe you. So I began to try to figure out, um, and I looked at it really as a puzzle, um, mm -hmm. how Google worked. Um, in 2001, um, I was embroiled in this problem, uh, you know, working with them, doing all the IT stuff, but I was embroiled in this problem kind of on a personal level. Like I'm trying to figure out all of the math and the algorithms, how Google does what it does. I wanted to reverse engineer it, but I, I thought we had it figured out. And, um, and there was, a, this was very beginning of 2001, there was a wardrobe malfunction at the Super Bowl. Um, and that evening I picked up the phone and I called a group of colleagues of mine and said, I think we have a moment. We can prove it. We can prove that we have this thing uh, figured out. And, and so we did some interesting stuff. And on Monday morning, um, my personal website, uh, KenNor.com at that time, um, ranked number one for, if you did a search on Google for Janet Jackson's breast. Um, and my, I was number four for Super Bowl halftime show. And our, my internet service provider at the time was a little company in Orlando called Sundial Internet Services. Um, they provided dial-up internet access. It tells you how far back this goes, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so Sundial called me up and said, listen, uh, we got to shut this down. You're killing us. I said, what do, you, what do you mean I'm killing you? Well, we got so much traffic coming to your website um, that you're burying our T1 line. Um, and those days, that was a big line. That's 1.5 megabit. Just to put it in perspective today, 1.5 megabit, you'd feel like, oh my gosh, this is so slow. Um, so I was killing them uh, because we had so many visitors coming to the website. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess you got to shut it off. You got to shut it off. But we knew we had it at that moment. And so I basically turned that skill inside on the company that I was working for. And we took the number one position for Florida retirement communities. And we went from building 50 homes a year to building a thousand homes a year. Brilliant. Um, I, in 2000, by 2005, Brilliant. I was generating 35,000 leads a year across the internet. We could prove that 75% of our home buyers uh, first contacted us through the internet. It just completely changed my trajectory within that company. Um, and by 2007, I looked at it and said, hey, uh, I could do this. I could hang out my own shingle and I could do this uh, for every other home builder in the world. I know what we're doing. I understand this. So I, we, could, we could do this. Well, so I started my own company. I left there. And it was a big, you talk about a leap of faith. It was a huge leap of faith at that moment. It was it, Everything has its purpose and reason in life. And it actually turned out 
to be an incredibly fortuitous thing that I did that. But in 2007, I, I left there and I started a company called Build Intelligence Web Solutions. It was a, a really bad brand because everybody wanted to call it Build Intelligence. Nobody understood that it was this word, Build Intelligence. But the idea was that I was going to go do uh, internet marketing for home builders. Um, and that's, that was the birth of that company. And what happened right after that was in 2008, the home and the, the housing industry crashed and burned. Uh, and I'm sitting there doing marketing for the home building industry. And, um, yeah, there was no, there was no marketing to do because those companies were all just dying. The, the, mm -hmm. the sales and the home building industry mm -hmm. went away. I, that leap of faith, I left a job that at the time I had, because of all of that I'd done within that organization, I had graduated up during that decade, decade to be the vice president of operations. I was running the entire company other than the sales department and accounting. We were building a thousand homes a year and I had 200 people in my chain of command and I was personally making a quarter million plus bonuses. And that's what I walked away from. And mm -hmm. then the whole industry crushed and burned and actually looking over my shoulder is a good thing that I did walk away from it because uh, my job would have been gone anyway. Um, and so in 2000, early 2008, we pivoted, we became agnostic. We're so we're going to market for anybody. The, the principles at which we're doing this stuff, um, uh, could be applied in any industry. It doesn't matter. It's just about driving people and, uh, uh visitors to website for whatever reason that we need to get them there. Uh, whatever the subject matter is, it's the principles are all the same. And, um, and so we pivoted into that, um, by 2010, uh, Inc magazine ranked us number 183 in the fastest growing companies in the United States. Um, and we were well on our way. Uh, and this is a long winded story to tell you where I got to here. So in, no, but it's in a great story. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a crazy ride and a wonderful ride and, and, and still on it. This roller coaster of fun is amazing. It's just so amazing. Um, but in 2008, we're, we're, uh, we had acquired, um, a software company called PPC management and we acquired their domain ppcmanagement.com. And, uh, we decided to flip them from a software company into just the services. We're going to provide pay-per-click management services. This is the advertising paid advertising on Google and whatnot. And, uh, we took, I'm because of the skill set that I had in SEO, I took the number one ranking for pay-per-click management, PPC management, all of the phrases around in that space. I held it for a solid eight years, the number one slots and tons of keywords in that, in that space. Anyway, um, Mid-2008, we get a call from a big SEO firm, search engine optimization firm out in New York City, and they call us up and they say, hey, look, we do great SEO, but we don't do pay-per-click, and we're wondering if you could, we could work out an arrangement for you to provide the pay-per-click services to our clients while we provide the SEO to them. And so we did a custom agreement with them, and it was our first white label, and that's what white label is, and that when, where we provide services to an end client on behalf of an agency. The end client has no idea that we exist, uh, and we're completely invisible to them. We act and behave as our agency partners, so we answer the phone as them. We send out reports under uh, their brand logos and under their uh, domain and email addresses. In those days, it was all email. Today, it's a little bit more... Uh, complicated and complex than that. But that was our first white uh, venture on a white label. And, and we didn't really, white label really wasn't our thing. We were doing a lot um, on our own directly. 
Um, we acquired another uh, company um, and along with them, their, their domain is as well. And so we are seocompany.com and we took the, shortly thereafter, took the number one ranking for the phrase SEO company and all the phrases around it. Um, and again, we held that close to eight years running and then 2015 hit and 2015 was a big, big moment for us. It was another pivot, um, and a very big pivot, uh, where we pivoted completely into white label. And what happened in 2015 was that Google overnight, um, changed the search parameters related to the phrase SEO company and the surrounding phrases of SEO company. Um, like I said, we were holding the number one slot forever. We knew all of our competitors. So there were nine other people on the front page with us and companies like seo.com and seop.com and national positions and a variety of companies. That, and we, we all knew, we all saw the battle going on. We held the number one, but the number two through 10 spot, they, they rotated a little bit, but pretty consistent players there. Well, overnight, all of us were gone. Every one of us just gone. Um, uh, the phrases the, for the, that were related to the phrases around SEO company, uh, you know, best SEO company, top SEO company, all those phrases, um, all of us just disappeared. And we were looking at it because we do it, we do everything from a math and algorithm standpoint. And we were looking at it because this doesn't make any sense. None of the other keywords in the world really changed. It was like an, an, an intentional fight in the SEO space. Um, and then about three weeks after that, um, Google decided to turn the phrase, all of those phrases related to SEO company into um, what we call local search, which meant that, uh, and local search is really important. Don't get me wrong. Um, in some places it should be and in other places it doesn't really belong. And in the phrase SEO company, I don't know that it really belongs, but if I do a search for pizza, I don't want the best pizza in the, in the world. And I don't want the number one. I want the pizza place that's closest by maybe the best pizza place that's going to deliver to me close. Right. So that's mm -hmm. a local search where it gives back local results, not national results, but local results. Um, and I don't know that when you search for an SEO company that you're looking for the guy that's around the corner as much as you're looking for the company that can do the best job. So, um, but that's neither here nor there. That's what Google did. Google made it into a local search result. And so because Google turned it into a local search result, um, oh, I, uh, I, I kind of said, well, if Google's going to turn SEO company into pizza, then maybe we ought to become the pizza oven for all these pizza places. Awesome. Um, they're going to be getting, you know, awesome. I, they're going to be getting all these clients and I don't know whether they're going to be, they're going to have the skill set or the knowledge to be able to keep them, retain them, um, and get the results that they want. And so that's where we said we'll be, we've been doing white label. And I think in 2015, we had like three white label contracts. It really wasn't our, our thing. Um, but we, we pivoted and we said, we're going to just, we're going to go hard at white label. And so today, if you search phrases like white label and what is white label and all of those kind of phrases, you'll find that we rank number one and number two. And we're all in the, in the top runnings for all these white label terms now because we pivoted into that. Um, and since 2015, we've built, um, as you, uh, in your opening said, you know, uh, over 400, I think it's just now just cracked recently over 500, uh, agency partners that we, um, were that company and that company and that company and that company and that company. We literally <laughs> do services under their brands. Um, and, and whatnot, but spinning back just one little piece of missing piece in that story was that in 2008 as well, um, we did a merger with, a. uh, 
a local uh, PR and advertising agency who kind of acquired them and brought them in. And they looked at us and said, this, this brand name of yours is terrible. And so that's when we went through a rebranding into that company. But Build Intelligence Web Solutions and that company is the same thing. But we've been that company since since 08. So, Fantastic. Um, that gives you the idea. Fantastic. Well, what an impressive story and what a journey you've been on. So based on everything that you said and all the different times you've had to pivot according to just whatever the culture of the current times as it pertained to Google, SEO, um, the industry, you know, things tanking in 2008. So now that you've got these life experiences and the way that it's impacted, affected your business, but it seems like you just keep coming out stronger, which is phenomenal. I'm really happy to hear that for you. Projecting what might be ahead, particularly in the midst of a pandemic. And I can appreciate that for what it is you do, Ken, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm thinking because most businesses, uh, if not the majority of businesses have had to go online. So, uh, the, you know, when you talk about the 400 plus in the bio and then you correcting it and saying, well, no, it's actually probably more accurately 500. I'm imagining there's a bit of a correlation perhaps between that and the pandemic and how people have had to pivot in their own business so they don't get lost in the shuffle, similar to 2008, right, with the housing market. So looking at trends, uh, looking at, you know, some of the patterns and you having a true po- uh, pulse on this and having really honed your craft what do you anticipate even say to the degree that you can anticipate it five years 10 years from now in the way that it impacts what you do either for the positive or the negative oh wow that's a that's another deep and uh packed question there's a lot in there um i'm a so, deep host <laughs> uh, yeah yeah it's it's good uh the uh, the uh, so first of all I, I because i've done pivots i uh, and because i've been involved in you know taking our company in a couple of different directions i think that uh, i apologize my phone was not silenced and that needs to go away um the i'm going to silence it right now so that does not happen again my sincerest apologies to no your problem. audience and you it's real life um we're real so here it is real yeah, absolutely. So uh, first, let me just uh, throw a disclaimer out there. Because I've done pivots meant that I did not have a great crystal ball at predicting the future. Um, I reacted to what was happening um, had, I, had I had a great crystal ball and could foresee the future, I wouldn't have had to do the reactions that I did. So mm-hmm. um, I may not be the best guy at crystal ball, but I've gotten a little bit better at it um, and, and understanding uh, the industry that I'm in. Um, but I would not have predicted the pandemic outcome for us, uh, on day one. In fact, I felt like on day one, um, that a lot of advertisers, and this is true to some degree, a lot of advertisers would, uh, hunker down. They would shrink their advertising budgets. They would, uh, reduce their, their effort to expose, I think that a lot of really smart entrepreneurs, though, also pivoted uh, in their own way and saying, well, how do I reinvent my business? I'm not just going to, uh, you know, curl up and die here. Um, we're going to do something different and approach how they're running their businesses differently. I've seen brick and mortar companies, uh, and we've all witnessed that, you know, the restaurant industry has dramatically shifted. Nobody had curbside pickup. Nobody was really doing a lot of delivery. 
Um, and yet a lot of these larger organizations now have perfected it to a large degree. Um, and it amazes me um, at what they're able to do there um, to change the way that they're servicing their customers. Um, so, you know, was there the, 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 what do I see in five or 10 years? Uh, there's, there's a lot yet to be written on how it's, how it's working. But I, I think that uh, entrepreneurial America, corporate America, um, this has made them stronger. It's, it's made, um, and the, those that haven't figured it out, um, it, it's kind of cold the week to some degree as well, unfortunately. Um, but if you weren't ready, uh, to change with this, then you got left behind. Um, but, it, but I think that's been true through a lot of history. I mean, look at, um, Sears, for example, Sears yes. is a, a shadow of its former self. And yet at one point in time in our country's history, it was, you could buy a house from Sears on a catalog. Um, and today Sears is, is nothing. Um, so it's about adapt and change or, or, or die trying. Um, and I think that a lot of, uh, um, a lot of companies have adapted. I think that looking out into the future, the marketplace um, as a whole, the internet has been such a level, a leveling playing field to some degree. But um, I think that uh, small uh, businesses being very challenged today um, uh, by larger um, uh, companies, Amazon has obviously dominated the market. I can probably, uh, you know, any of your listeners, including me and, and probably you have ordered from Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, think about what that's done to the brick and mortar around the corner mm -hmm. um, and how do they compete against that? Um, you know, food delivery has turned into this thing and, and the big are the ones that uh, seem to be doing better. I think it's, I think it's going to be a tough environment for small business. It's going to take a lot of creativity um, uh, and a lot of effort from those that want to succeed in a local area. I, mean, it's, uh, I think uh, that, I don't know if that answers the question. No, it absolutely does. But something you said just tweaked for me in terms of where I want to take the direction of my next question here. So when we're talking about business, we're talking about small business, big business, corporate, um, you name it, the big giants. So I would be interested, Ken, to know what your philosophical views, interpretations, um, what your thoughts are in when you in terms of this pandemic a lot of people are really caught up with the question mark of okay well why can the big box stores remain open if we're saying that safety comes first across the board for every human being on the planet then what's the justification what's the rationale to say that it's still safe particularly when you got more people in these big box stores call it sam's in the states you know call it costco here in canada call it walmart you know people are actually more predisposed to catching something because of the voluminous amount of people who are underneath the same roof at the same time and yet these small businesses whether we call it gyms whether we call it restaurants whether we call it whatever they've had to close their doors and they've had to go through a series of reopenings and now it's gotten into problems with leasing and and uh, foreclosure and you know it's just like it, it's killed them so philosophically when we look at the pandemic and we look at how government and everybody has been pressing upon this is what we've got to do to keep the numbers down this is what we've got to do to keep ahead of the curve but specifically as it relates to business whether we're talking small business or, or big business what are your thoughts on that ken as a businessman well i so i i'm going to just 
say that politics is not my thing. Um, and it is very, very, very political. Yeah. Um, because every region, every region is different. Um, countries are different, uh, in here in the United States, state by state, and even regions within states are different. Uh, larger cities, uh, are handling it, uh, all differently. I will say this. I think, um, unfortunately, uh, it does not matter, uh, who is in the leadership position. Uh, you are in a no win situation. I mean, mm-hmm. seriously, just in a no, I, I, I don't envy anybody in that place of political decision Agreed. Uh, because I don't think that there's, there's no good answer. So I can shut it all down and I can crush our, crush the economy. That would be the one extreme, right? Let's just, like, from a governmental standpoint, our leaders go for the protection and safety of all citizens. Everything gets shut down. Let's just keep everybody safe. We're going to save lives that way, but we're going to crush the economy in the, in the process. The other side is to balance it and say, well, we're going to just leave everything open and there are going to be no restrictions whatsoever. And then we're going to pay with lives where we're going to have higher death rates would we'll possibly overrun our hospitals, all that. And so I don't care who's sitting at the helm at whatever level, at the national level, at the, at the state level, at a, at a local level, there's no right call. There's just no right call. There's no way you can make the right call. And, and whatever call you make is going to be criticized by whatever opposing side you have there. Um, I think there, unfortunately, I think there's a balance and I don't know that anybody knows how to deal with this balance. And I don't think that our, that, uh, that governments uh, internationally, uh, or, or here in the United States, uh, have, uh, figured it all out. Um, what we could easily look, um, uh, to, uh, to some, um, communist countries, Mm-hmm. that have taken the hard line and just shut it down and they've gotten control over it. But man, um, is that worthy of the sacrifice of freedom of being able to say I'm a free person and that I can choose to go where I want to go or, uh, whatnot. I, man, there's that, those are just incredibly tough questions and anybody sitting in the, in a place of responsibility and power, uh, is going to be, is going to be skewered from either side, whatever direction they make. Um, I think there has to be a balance. And, and for me as a businessman, what I have to look at is, is going, uh, I have to look a little bit more closer to home. Like, what do I have to do to survive this, to get through it or to thrive in it? And so uh, part of you and the pivots and part of entrepreneurs, uh, I, I think what they need to do is they just need to keep their minds open as to what they can do in their situation, in their environment, wherever they are to make the best out of that situation and maybe even come out of it uh, bigger, better, stronger than you were. And, and that kind of reminds me, and I'm going to uh, shift a little bit, but uh, from, you should, you and your audience should go check out and read the, uh, the history of Procter and Gamble. Mm-hmm. Um, Procter and Gamble was a, a very small nothing company at the Great Depression, but they came out on the other side of the Great Depression, and today they're one of the largest consumer goods products uh, in in the yes. world. Um, and yeah. you can go back and look at, well, they made some choices there in the Great Depression, and the main thing was that they latched onto this new and emerging thing called radio, uh, and they created serialized daytime dramas uh, that would they would sponsor and promote all of their detergent uh, brands, Borax, and all of their soap brands, Duds, and all that. 
And they were the, at the beginning and genesis of soap operas. And that's what launched them. And they launched out of the depression with incredible market share. And instead of shrinking down and hunkering down and, and weathering it all out, nope, they doubled down and they, they got creative and they created something completely new and they ended up better on the other side. So, you know, my, my, my philosophy is do what you got to do in your space, in your environment, in your situation to make, to, to come out on, uh, on that, go back to the beginning. I'm an opportunist. I'm just going to look at what I can do in this moment to uh, better my family, the families of my employees, um, and to, to grow us um, in whatever environment I'm presented with. Fantastic. Well, let me ask you this, Ken. So regardless of the specific, um, the specificness related to whatever it is any individual entrepreneur does, but knowing that they're operating within a space where it's perhaps oversaturated industry, even if you just take, for example, what I do as a podcaster. And since the pandemic, there's been huge growth in that because people who are staying home, you know, they want to keep their minds stimulated. They're looking for things to do without going outside and putting people at risk or themselves at risk. So, I mean, even if I look at what I'm doing as a podcaster, again, it doesn't even matter that there's over a million plus podcasters. It's irrelevant to me. It's what am I doing to better my show, my performance? What am I doing to elicit the best people in which to showcase? So, but generic, so taking whatever it is that an entrepreneur does in an oversaturated industry within what it is that they specialize in. But generically speaking, for all the vast amounts of businesses that exist and all the different um, commodities out there and, and, and consumer goods and things of that nature, what would you say to the listening audience knowing that this is a business show, it is an entrepreneurship show? Um, what would you say to fellow entrepreneurs, regardless of what it is that they specialize in or whatever their niche market is, just generically speaking, to in fact stay ahead of the curve, to thrive as opposed to just survive, to expand as opposed to implode? What do people have to be cognizant of as innovators? Wow. Um, uh, again, a really uh, broad question uh, packed with a lot of, uh, there's a, a, a bunch of answers to that or a bunch of unique things. And I do think that situationally um, everyone is in, in their own unique place. And I don't think there necessarily is one size fits all mm -hmm. um, action. So um, taking it from a tactical level um, of what you know specific action somebody could take and maybe bring it to more of a strategic level, um, a broader look at um, what would be uh, my advice to entrepreneurs in this environment. Um, and, that, and so the the first thing is um, pick your head up uh, and and look out the windshield a little bit. I think sometimes we as um, business owners uh, we get hung up in um, uh, looking at uh, our metrics, which I mean, I'm looking down at my dashboard, right? And instead of looking out uh, of the windshield and seeing where I'm going and what's going on around me. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, uh, number one, be situationally aware, understand. Um, the other thing that I would tell you, um, and so or the other thing that I advise is that we're talking about maybe potentially in your position, either, either strengthening what you currently have. Maybe it's a pivot. Maybe you need to leave exactly what you're doing and doing and do something uh, completely different. Maybe you, uh, you know, examples are, you know, uh, 
um, distilleries that pivoted into making hand sanitizer. Well, there was a great pivot, you know. Mm, um, yes. Uh, they were, the bars all kind of dried up on them being their, their customers. And as far as their normal chain of uh, uh, where they would send their products kind of. And, but there was this new opportunity over here. So that, that idea of being opportunistic. And so here's the advice I have on being opportunistic. Uh, and I and I think it I think it plays across the board, and that is especially for leaders, is check your ego at the door. Um, you have, and I think this is really really important um, for especially startups like where I was at. I started out with this idea that I was going to do uh, marketing for home builders, and then suddenly, within six months, I we realized, oh my goodness, the home builder market is just imploding. There's no there's no market here, um, and. I think all too often as entrepreneurs, we get hung up that our idea is so great that it's unchangeable and our egos are so wrapped and our idea is so amazing that people, they just understood my product, that they just understood this, then they would, then this is why it's so great. Uh, check your ego at the door and, and look at opportunities. Don't, don't, don't believe that your idea is so incredible that it can't be manipulated, uh, uh, changed, morphed and pivoted into something else. I, I had a friend of mine, uh, I'm amazed at, he gave me a, a uh, he said something I've always kept with me and that is um, business is invented, meaning that mm -hmm. we can do whatever we want. I can make whatever process I want, whatever service I want, whatever product I want. It's invented, I completely invent everything. Um, it doesn't matter. It's, an, it's amazing to me what some business owners have invented. Um, but along with invention comes this other thing, which is, there has to be a market, and when when you have uh, a great idea, you you know it's great when the market re naturally responds to it and is willing to pay you money for whatever it is you've invented, whether that be a again a service. You could be a lawyer who is doing that, but if the market's not responding wherever you are uh, to being that kind of a lawyer, then you probably either need to look at your market. You got to do something different. So don't ch just check your ego. Don't get so hung up, and your your idea is so amazing that you can't. You can't change. You have to be willing to change. Uh, and so get your head up, look around, understand the situational environment you're in, uh, assess what's going on. Uh, you know, how are, do people want your product? And not is your product great, um, but do they want it? Can they get it? Can they get to you? How can I get it to them if, if the pandemic is changing the way that we have to deliver? our products and services to consumers, then we have to change with it so that, that our product, our, our consumers can get what we have. And if they're, you know, if our food, let's just use the restaurant example, if I had food and it's an, the most amazing product and I'm a chef and I'm really proud of it. Uh, yeah. But whenever I put it into a styrofoam container and it goes, you know, um, 15, 20 minutes down the street, it's crap. Well, maybe I can't be hung up about my food anymore. I have to make something that's going to work in a styrofoam container. So my customers love it when it gets there. And I can't be all hung up about my recipe being uh, amazing. I, they're not sitting in front of my table taking it, five, you know, 30 seconds when it landed from the kitchen. So I gotta, I gotta reinvent. I gotta, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe do something a little different. And you can't get so hung in pride. I don't know if that is a good answer for you. Well, it's a good metaphor. It's a really good metaphor to illustrate uh, and underscore your point. So I appreciate that. I, I always think, for the benefit of the listeners and the podcast subscribers, the many as many. Uh, examples that one can use to cite 
what their point is. That's what resonates. So I appreciate yeah. you using that. So let's just, um, cause yeah. there's just a couple more things I, I really want to cover here being cognizant of time, uh, sure. before I turn it over to you to let the listeners know and the podcast subscribers where they can actually reach out to you to establish a consultation or contact or, or more specific one-on-one with you conversation wise. So, um, you know, going back to one thing that's always been prefaced within the business world is it location, location, location. Well, we know location, that still applies. Location is virtual. It's online, um, you know. So what would you say to people who perhaps still do have a good product, still have a good idea, still have good business, but because things are drying up as it pertains to the circumstances which are out of a lot of people's control regarding the pandemic, what would you say to people who perhaps their skill set has not been what needs to be part and parcel for having that presence online? What do people have to be cognizant of in terms of having that, that virtual, global, massive collective presence? How can we save people? Uh, so, uh, how, how, yeah, I want, I want to save, the, I want it for those who are tuning in, knowing how imperative it is for their business to not just survive, but to thrive. This is your area of specialty, Ken. So any quick tips you can give to the listeners of what they need to tweak, because you could probably save a lot of people a lot of headaches right now. Yeah. Um, so location, 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 uh, and the location, you're right. Uh, you know, back in the day we would try to put a place and, you know, have maybe be near an interstate. Well, the information superhighway is the inter- is the interstate we want to be nearby. We need eyeballs. It still comes down to that. It's about bringing eyes onto your product and your service, your offerings. The more people see it, uh, the more opportunities you have to uh, to sell it, right? And so, uh, I think first and foremost, um, you it is complicated enough. It, it used to be a lot easier. It's complicated enough uh, that I would definitely seek you know professional assistance, um, and that may not be you know completely possible for for somebody who's just starting out. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, The other side of it is, but I would seek professional assistance, especially if you have an ongoing business and you're trying to figure out how am I going to take it from being brick and mortar to being online, or maybe I have some online business, but I want to strengthen it. Um, It take, there are a lot of specializations. It used to be that a generalist could get it done. Um, And back in the early days, we were uh, generalists today. I have guys that do nothing but Facebook advertising. That's what they eat, breathe, sleep. They don't do Google advertising and they don't do search engine optimization and social media. They don't do all the social. They literally specialize because it takes that much knowledge and effort to be able to deliver results um, uh, for their clients. Uh, So you need a lot of specialization. Um, And so professional assistance is always a good thing. I don't. Don't don't discount the fact that if uh, you know if you're being beat by the big guys, maybe you ought to join them. Um, Amazon uh, is out there just dominating it in the in the product space. Uh, have you considered selling your products on Amazon? That might be a channel. You you don't need to beat them. You can join them mm-hmm. um, if you can you know get your products exposed and and move it in that way. Um, there are a lot of different uh, options, but, uh, you know, the first thing I would say is, um, you know, get a pro with you. If, if that's not your space, if you already are doing this and you're doing it online, 
Um, I'll give you one. This is a more of a high level tip. So let's just say you've got, uh, we've got some listeners here that have an ongoing concern right now. And that meaning that they're, they, they, they've gotten a good internet presence. They're driving, uh, traffic and, and whatnot. The biggest thing that I think that, uh, a lot of, um, uh, you know, uh, companies are missing, uh, and, and AI, uh, is really kind of pushing us into this space uh, this is machine learning that's going on, and that is you. Most people are not watching user behavior real well, and yet user behavior is now changing everything. So, it used to be that, like for ranking on Google from search engine optimization, our, you know, we'd preach keywords and put the right, you know, uh, structure it correctly on the page, and uh, go get backlinks for your website and all that. Today, Google is shifting into observing uh, and reacting to user behavior. So. If Google puts you up into the number one position, but uh, because your title tag or whatever, um, users are clicking on number two more often than they're clicking on you, then Google will move you down. And that had nothing to do with what you did on your website or the way that you did your basic SEO efforts. It had to do with user behavior. If Let's say you're, you're, uh, you're ranking fifth uh, and people are coming down and clicking on results. If they go to your result and they stay, and they don't come back out to the search results. Google sees that too, is that your content was engaging. And so that user behavior suddenly is all of a sudden mattering. We used to care about just getting the visitor to the page. Now we don't, we care about whether or not that visitor is engaging um, and more and more and more of internet marketing, digital marketing as a whole is talking, uh, is centered around this user behavior uh, and un- understanding it. And yet most companies are completely oblivious to it. They have hmm. no idea uh, what's going on as far as user behavior. And there are some great tools out there uh, that you need, that, that the company should be looking at and analyzing their user behavior. But if you're not looking at that, you're missing a big piece and you're, and you're missing the future of what and where this is all going. Uh, watching and monitoring the behavior of the searchers and how people interact with content is exactly what is happening today, and and you're missing it. So that's a high-level tip, and then a low-level tip is get professional advice if you're early and starting on this right now, and maybe you're a little late to the game, get a pro involved. Uh, And then on a high level, uh, keep your eyes on, on user behavior because that's where it's going. That's where everything is going. So. Fantastic. Fantastic, Ken. Thank you. So what I would like to do is give you the opportunity, as I mentioned, to let it be known to the global international listeners, as well as the podcast subscribers, where can people connect with you? What does an initial consultation look like? Um, Do you even have the bandwidth to keep up with taking on retaining new clients? Like, How does this all work for somebody who's on the outside of not fully 100% grasping all that you do or what your capacity is to do more with other new people. Sure. So uh, easiest way to get a hold of us is to go to our website, um, thatcompany.com. And actually, if you go to thatcompany.com slash podcast, um, even if you're listening to this, you know, five years from now, we tend to keep an offer on that page. Uh, I don't know what it'll be by the time you get there. And I'm not even sure what it is today, but uh, we definitely, <laughs> definitely go there and, what the current offer is a lot of times uh, it's something free um uh you know a free analysis or something like that 
but that company.com is easier to remember. Um, you know, now that you've met somebody from that company, every time you say the words, you know, that company, nah, you're going to be thinking of us. Uh, and, uh, if you want to uh, reach out to me, uh, I'm one of those crazy people that, uh, in social, I, I run a company that's on social media, but, um, I actually have some rules for how I do social media. Facebook, I only will connect with you if I've actually physically met you face to face. It's for my real friends, uh, and it's not like a networking place for me. So, uh, don't reach me on Facebook, but uh, LinkedIn. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Come find me. Uh, uh, Twitter. Come find me. That's fine. At Ken Nor K E N K N O R R, and uh, love to connect with you there. But uh, if we can provide anything from you from a business standpoint, again, that company.com. Do we have capacity? Uh, we are always working on capacity. Sure, we love to take on new clients. We primarily focus on working with agencies. However, we will do direct internet marketing if a company happens to reach out to us uh, and want us to, to uh, work with them directly. We certainly will do that. Um, but our, our, our model is really to work with uh, you know, um, other digital marketing agencies and help them infill their services. Uh, we add on agencies every day. Uh, and would love to add on another one tomorrow and today too. So I'd uh, love to have you reach out to us. And uh, we're going to straight, uh, you know, I guess the short, the short and sweet is we're going to shoot straight with you. Um, uh, we're just going to tell you how it is. So we, we don't, we don't pull any punches. So, Super. Uh, love, love to chat with anybody. Okay. So another quick question that might uh, be on the minds of the listeners and the podcast subscribers, if based on the synergy or the resonance they feel with you specifically for, you know, and they're like, I want to work with Ken, what is the, the expectation? Like, are you the first point of contact, but because you're so busy and immersed in what you're doing, they then get redirected to somebody else who, whose role it is to take the lead on it. Like, some people here would listen to you and go, uh, I want to just deal with Ken. Is that even feasible? Is it realistic yeah. or, or how does that work? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm not saying that I'll never talk to anybody that would be highly inappropriate and uh, would not be a good <laughs> business leader at the same time. Uh, I am, uh, you know, we, we built it to scale. I wish that I could talk I mean, at this, at this point in, in our journey, um, you know, with 500 plus agencies and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of customers. Um, I, I just can't, there's not enough can go to go around. Um, uh, and so I would love to, it, the journey usually will start talking in, uh, to somebody in our business development department, um, who will kind of walk through what you're looking for and what we can do and how we might fit, uh, and whatnot. Uh, it's rare that they even let me uh, talk to prospective customers because I spend, I talk so much that I never that they never become customers because I just end up talking to them forever, um, and I never you know I'm not a sales sell right now. Um, I'm an I'm an SEO guy at the practitioner part. I'm an IT geek and SEO guy, but um, so I'm more in the production side of the world and helping that side of our company than I am in the business development side. Um, but uh, certainly if they've reached out and said specifically they wanted to talk to Ken, I'm sure Ken could get on the phone, um, although it wouldn't be normal. Um, I certainly could. So okay. it, it, uh, it's a little bigger than it's a little bigger than Ken these days. And, uh, and, and there's a part of that. You know, I got to give me a moment to reminisce here. There's a part of when it was a s smaller, simpler thing that I had more direct contact with, you know, all of the people um, today. I, I go where I'm told and uh, do what I'm told. Like I was told that you're supposed to be on a show today. Okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> here you go. And here I am. So, um, but, 
mm-hmm. yeah, I'd love to talk to him. So just just ask, and we'll see if they can get you on my schedule. Always works that way. Well, so, I, I love chat. I think it says a lot about I think it says a lot about your leadership style, too, because the bigger you grow and it's always with the, the you know, for starting anything, I think, you know, you want to get as big as you can. You want to resonate and connect with the right people. You know, you want to synergistically make sure that your business, your mission statement, statement, your caveat, your purpose, all of that is aligned with the demographic that you're wanting genuine buy in from. So I think it says a lot about your leadership that you've been able to amass what you've done. Um, but getting to a point where you can understand that the only way it can maintain its overall effectiveness is that you relinquish your need to micromanage, right? And 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 feel like you've mm-hmm. got to be the, the the go-to for everything. Because I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs crash and burn because they just can't relinquish that control or have enough uh, trust, innate trust in the people that they've delegated to certain positions with certain roles and skill sets and titles mm-hmm. there's a reason why they've been positioned to, to oversee what they need to oversee and yet you know you need it but there's a lot of there's a lot of leaders who just can't relinquish so it says a lot to me that's why I asked you that question because it's like yeah now I'm at the point where you people are telling me what to do and what I need to show up for and 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 that's mm-hmm. really where you have to take it right but you got to be willing to yeah. You, you can't, yeah so good for you so just very quickly, Absolutely. again, being, co- hey. being co- yeah, yeah. No, I just want to, you know, I don't want to leave this without uh, a, a moment. So I, I have a piece of advice for that for entrepreneurs that I don't know. I don't want to drive your, your last question. I know we're running out of time, but I do want to share something Please. I think is really important. And, and, and you triggered something that there's like, what's your purpose, you know, what, whatnot. So as entrepreneurs, we're, some of us are in small business, some in big, big, medium, big businesses, whatever. But to me, I want to share something uh, with you and what I call my sevens. Um, and, and it, and it clarifies very quickly what we are doing and why we are doing it. Um, it's not how we're doing it, but why we're doing it. And the sevens are this, um, I, it's an exercise I went through a number of years ago and it added a lot of clarity for me. And it, it is about work-life balance and it's about um, remaining on mission, if you will. And so the sevens uh, kind of run like this. If, uh, if your audience takes a minute, just, you have to go through this exercise mm-hmm. uh, in a quiet place. We'll do it while you're driving. Uh, close your <laughs> eyes for a minute and go, I have seven, I have seven years to live. Um, what do I want to get accomplished? What are on my, what's on my list of things that I want to get done? Like, who do I want to spend time with? I've got seven years. That's it. Um, and, and there you go. So make that list. Like, what are the things that are top and important that you want to, what's your legacy? What are you, what are you trying to do? And, and, and who is that's another one? Who are you want to uh, spend that time with? Then you knock it down and you got seven months to live. You write that list down and what is it that we're doing there? Then we walk it down again and we go seven weeks. And does the list change from seven years to seven weeks? It certainly does. And the who someone changes. Uh, they go so that seven weeks down to seven days, seven days down to seven hours, seven hours down to seven minutes, seven minutes down to seven seconds. And you look at those lists and you start want, you know, looking at who is it that you want to spend time with? Who's important? What's important? What things do you need to get done? What are you trying to accomplish in your life with that remaining piece whatever that is. And then the question you really have to ask yourself when you're done with that exercise is why aren't you doing one of what's on your list right now? If you're not doing, if you, if on your list is to call your mother, why haven't you called your mom? 
if mm-hmm. on your list is to spend more time with your kids, why aren't you spending more time with your kids right now? Because none of us can predict what's left. At the moment we hang up this interview, a meteor could fall through the roof of my office and I could be crushed. I do not know how much time is left. So mm-hmm. we're all working for something, and it usually becomes very clear when you want that exercise. And so we have to work our butts off during our business hours, but everything after that becomes a choice. And what are we spending our time on? How are we, you know, why aren't we doing? I found myself a number of years ago that I was off in the wrong direction and I wasn't doing what was on my sevens. And so I just think that's like a really important thing to leave behind in the whole thing. Love that. Is that we're doing this for a reason and you need to find your reason. Brilliant. Well, Ken, I can't thank you enough. You've been a wealth of information. Uh, You've been very generous with your time, your level of expertise. I myself have gotten a lot of value out of this. Um, And as an entrepreneur, a serial solopreneur, doing a myriad of different things and always looking for ways to tweak what I'm doing. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And not everyone's an expert in everything. So this is why you've got to immerse yourself in the presence of people who are not only doing what you want to do on some level, but they're doing it even better than you so this has been really really highly valuable for me invaluable for me as well as I I can speak on behalf knowing my audience for the last six years and and the loyal listenership and the podcast subscribers I I know what they're looking for um, and I know that they're going to be very happy with me having showcased you on today's show Uh, and hopefully that turns into something for you on the other end but um, just uh, very quickly I just want to thank the loyal listeners podcast subscribers as well for the gift of your time for tuning into myself with Ken Noor. Um, I'm very exceptionally clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Until next week, when we're joined by yet another phenomenal guest, I wish you all my best. Please stay safe, healthy, and uplifted. Love and gratitude to everyone and to you as well, Ken. Take care, all my best, my friend. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and AHA That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.